Iowa everywhere. From the Channel Seed Studios, Nick Oson and Jake Brent talk all things Big 12. This is Firmly Entrenched. Powered by Heartland Flags and Gifts. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Here's Nick and Jake on Iowa Everywhere. Welcome to the Channel Seed Studios. It's a 1-0 week. I'm Jake Brend with Local 5 Sports, joined by Nick Oson of 24-7 Sports. Nick, how was, how was week one? Really good. You know, I, I almost can't believe, my friend, that we are really already in, you know, getting to be in the heart of football season. We'll have a huge game to talk about locally, some big-time games around the conference, but... I'm doing really well. It's pretty crazy. We're heading into the full week two of Iowa it, State. Football. It feels like football outside. Oh, it does. It, which <laughs> I, honestly was a welcome thing oh, for me awesome. today because it's been very hot, very humid. I, I'm liking a little bit of the breeze, you know, gets you ready for football, as they say, specifically high school football it makes me think about, but I'm ready for it. You know, it, it feels really good out. And today we're going to do a brief reaction to you and I. It's Wednesday, so. There's been a lot of different podcasts to talk about the game already, so we won't focus too much time on that. What we're really going to go into is a preview of this week's Cyhawk game. I was in Iowa City. Nick was in Ames, so we, we really can can rift off what we saw. And we're going to discuss a little bit of what happened to the Big 12, and we're going to close with some game picks. But first, we're going to address the, the big news, the sad news, happy news all at the same time. Nick, Nick what's coming up? Yeah, the bittersweet news, honestly, is, you know, it gets thrown around a lot, my friends, but that's the truth of it. You know, for anybody that's like really close with me or, you know, that kind of listened throughout this process, I even got a little choked up on the radio last week, if I'm being quite honest. Uh, you know, my time here is coming to a pretty quick end. Uh, next week will actually be our last, you know, kind of look here. And this next week will be kind of my last here in person as producer Aiden's giving me the thumbs down. Uh, you know, I'm heading back home with 247 Sports. Grew up in the Madison, Wisconsin area. So I'll be sticking with a company that, that I really loved, really enjoyed, and covering my alma mater, the Wisconsin Badgers. So I'm, you know, I'm excited to get there and to, to see what that's like. But I mean, as kind of some of my, my comments, my messages, my posts said, you know, this place is special. I mean, for our, for our listeners and viewers here, quite honestly, just before the show, we were talking about the next time I'll be able to get back in the state and see people here. It's been incredible. Uh, you know, we're not going to get too sad or anything. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. And like I said, I will be back around. Certainly Badgers obviously come to this state uh, to at least play the Hawkeyes. But, you know, this community, this fan base, the coaching staffs, everybody here. It's just been really incredible, and I see why, you know, so many people uh, call it a special place. I could not agree more, and I'm going to miss it, and, and my girlfriend and my family, I we will miss it for sure. It's it's definitely a bittersweet news because Aiden and I, I'll, everyone on your boards, everyone, just everyone doesn't want you to leave, but you're going home, which is which is awesome, and you're you're covering a, a pretty big team in the Big Ten, and you're going to be great, and we're... Uh, I mean, I'm going to see you at Carver Hawkeye when when the Badgers come and visit the Hawkeyes yeah, this winter. This, and, yeah, this season already, which and, is going to be sweet. And the podcast will continue through football. We'll just be remote, 
over well we'll be over Streamyard, which which will still be good. We'll Nick will still get his cyclones fixing. Exactly. And, and speaking of the cyclones, they had a a big win on Saturday. I I never want to react or react overreact to a week one win and call it a big win over an FCS team. But when I picked them to win sixteen to nine and have it be a miserable game and they handle business and Let have it over at you. halftime. Little credit. To you were right. Both, no, to both of us. No, no, I wasn't even looking for me. I meant to both of us. We'll, we'll get to mine, but we both picked nine points for you and I. That's true. And that's exactly what happened. I didn't like, think about legitimately, that. Legitimately, we did. You said 16 to nine. I said 30 to nine. So we'll, we'll get Wait, into a little more. You said 30 to nine. I did. You were dead on. It was a good pick. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> or no, no. I'm sorry. Thirty to nine is what the exact score was. I said twenty-seven to nine. Okay. Okay. Yes, without the beautiful, uh, you know, deep shot, Contreras field goal would have been a perfect twenty-seven to nine. So yes. Oh man, I, <laughs> I would impressive. have cashed in my lottery ticket, but still close. And just the nine points, the fact that that happened and doesn't usually was pretty good for both of us. So I, I would say that the part we need to talk about the least or, or maybe what was the least surprising was how good the defense was while we're on that topic of the nine points. I think this has the the potential to be maybe the best defense under Matt Campbell. And I was at local five on Sunday uh, or, or maybe it was Monday. One of those two days, uh, Jeremiah Cooper won big 12 defensive player of the week and in the in the press release, it said that Cooper was the first Cyclone with two interceptions in a game since 2018. So I'm like, who, who did that in 18? And I, I went back and found out that it was Marcel Spears against Texas Tech. It was a game that was a lot closer than I remembered. And I got myself down a rabbit hole and watched the highlights of that game. And there were just <laughs> there were two or three highlights of Iowa State D-backs just getting mossed. And, and it wasn't really their fault. They just were not big 12 starting level defensive backs and looking back to that and comparing that to now. Wow. Iowa state has some dudes in that secondary. Yeah. <laughs> they, they really do. And, and you know, as we kind of get into the mini two minute drill in some of our breakdown right now, just want to remind everyone uh, part of our show sponsored by Heartland flags and gifts. Anytime you're really looking for some great flags, specifically sports schools, whatever you like, this is the place to go online, heartlandflags.com or in store at 3719 Southwest 9th Des Moines. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S. New products constantly, every team, every sport, every flag, almost. And that does include Simpson College. Roll so storm. Just wanted to say that, my friend. You know, it's so good to be here and live again with you. Here's what I'm going to say as we work, you know, a little bit backwards in, in terms of some of our planning. The best under Campbell. Now, Anybody here knows me. We're all friends here, and many people listening are kind of used to, you know, my coverage and my demeanor. I approach it. I approach life, really everything, optimistically, right? I'm going to push back a little bit simply because last year's defense, I think people do forget a little bit just because the wins and losses weren't always there, Jake. But that was by almost any metric a top seven or eight in the entire country. So that's why I could see this being the best secondary. I do push back a little bit on best defense. I, I think eventually they're going to miss guys like Will McDonald, MJ Anderson, even a guy like, you know, Orion Vance or Colby Reader because linebackers are young. But you're right. Defense, not surprising at all. We both hit it on the head with nine points. 
And I know that you were pretty impressed. I was as well, but I think you especially with some of what you saw from the quarterback for Iowa State as well. Yeah, Rocco, he didn't have a Heisman performance or really anything close to that. In fact, he didn't have enough snaps to qualify for a lot of <laughs> like statistical performances of the week. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't. No, uh, I'm not. I'm not shocked because of the snap count, but I did not realize that. Uh, Statso War or the the yeah. Toad Calculator, whatever his name is on Twitter from TCU. He puts together his stats each week of, of top performers, and Rocco wasn't even in there because he didn't play enough snaps, which I I think just says to how Campbell would have Campbell played that game exactly how he wanted to. So, so what I think I saw from Rocco was efficiency for sure. Yeah. He was efficient. He was accurate. He missed a couple deep balls, just got a little too much under them, but that's definitely what I saw first start jitters. I think it's better to be overthrowing your deep balls than, than under throwing them. So maybe, maybe he'll, he'll rein that in, but they didn't really put him in positions to make mistakes and he, didn't make mistakes and then he scrambled a little bit too which I know everybody wanted to see that from Deckers last year and, and he didn't really do that so I, I I liked what I saw from Rocco I don't think what he did is going to be able to, to carry an offense but the point of it is I don't think Iowa State needs Rocco Beck to carry the offense yeah you know I think I agree with just about all of that Jake I had pretty good expectations going in for both quarterbacks I think the world of J.J. Cole long-term, I went in-depth, I think it was on our first show, about him and Abu Sama, some of this class, which we will have to touch on. But, you know, I felt like in his moments, he showed some mobility. I don't think he got as much time in the pocket at times as Rocco did, so I don't think it was necessarily the most fair way to look at it. But overall, I think Rocco looked good, pretty good to, to really good. I think he looked confident, poised. I mean, that was just really important to me because it's first live action, as we've talked about, that game's not always maybe as easy as it should be, you'd think, uh, for Iowa State. And, you know, getting to have the uh, blessing and opportunity to be like at the postgame presser and then at media yesterday, it was cool to see him. He's starting to really exude some of that confidence. He was all smiles, but also recognizing, you know, it's another major opportunity coming up. I think he knows and maybe just brushed it off a little bit because he knows how close he was to having a potential four or five touchdown performance when you look at the the rushing touchdown as well as a whole, just a bit off on a couple of those deep balls. And again, I don't think you can talk about <clears throat> this game without giving some credit to Jordan Langs with special, with special teams, Matt Campbell, the actual players, and like Tyler Perkins, Chase Contreras, that unit, Jalen Knoll, that unit just looked, it looked fantastic. But for anybody that's really been listening and tuned in, that shouldn't be a surprise because there wasn't this overwhelming change in scheme or schematics or even full-on personnel. Obviously, a new kicker there in Chase Contreras, but... I just felt like a few things needed to get cleaned up. I think so far that's been done very, very well by the Cyclones. And as we get into things a little bit further from now, that unit's going to have to be really good again on Saturday, Jake. See, I'll push back. I thought it was a surprise, but that's just because I've watched so much bad special teams. But what wasn't a surprise is you bring in a special teams coach and look what happened. That's what... I think Iowa State fans and media had been had been begging for the last few years. So it's good to see. I don't know if 
swallowing his pride is, is the correct term, but it's good to see that Campbell made maybe a change in philosophy and said, okay, let, let, let's get a special teams coordinator in here. And after a one game sample size, that's the key, a one game sample size. Mm-hmm. It's a world of difference. They went from one of the worst special teams units in the country to really dang good. And I don't expect that game in game out, but I, I expect a, a good above average unit, which if they, you know that, I think? if they had that last year, they're in a bowl game. I think it's fair to say you don't expect to notice the special teams as much either way throughout the season. Like this last week, whoa, it was incredible. It was like a lot of good stuff. At times last year, maybe a couple things that weren't so good. So I think as long as it's consistent, you know, I'm trying to think of a kind of comparison like it. You know, I think of we're all baseball fans here, a catcher in baseball. Like you don't think of them as much unless they're like letting the pitch go by, you know, obviously letting another runner. So I think it's things like that, incredibly important. They don't always get talked about as positively as maybe they should. I think that was a major positive in in week one. And again, the only thing that maybe was a touch of a surprise was the 56 yard field goal. That was, that was a cool moment to see. (laughs) Obviously for a kid, I got to know a little bit, not really a kid. He's wrapping up his career, but Chase Contreras, um, you know, when he decided to come to Iowa state, you know, the excitement around him, we spoke with him after the game and the team, the sidelines are getting a little excited. That was kind of cool to see. I think really job well done so far from Campbell Langs and co. So the, the tight ends, we can touch on them as we move into a preview of the Cyhawk game. The tight ends were the three leading receivers on Saturday for Iowa State. That that shows that their security blanket for Becht, and that's because one, they're big targets structurally. They're they're bigger targets than wide receivers. They're typically in easier spots to hit. They're they're going and, and running a seven yard curl route. They're doing out routes. Seemed Beck was was comfortable hitting them, and they're just they're good. Ben Bramer outran a defensive back. He's a, he's a really good tight end. But I think as we get into the Seahawks game, that's going to be a major key for the offense and the defense because I think the same way Iowa has an elite tight end core between Luke Lachey and Eric All, they're going to be going for their tight ends too. So I think for both offenses. Maybe if Iowa can't hit their tight ends or if Iowa State can't hit their tight ends, that could really stall their offenses in a game that I expect to be ugly and low scoring. I think that's really well said, Jake. You know, we were both pretty high on the tight ends. We've been high on them, I think, since our first show. So that was really cool to see. I think that the depth of that room is about as good as it has been for Iowa State. As we get into the Cyhawk preview, you make a really good point. Iowa... You know, you saw Lachey especially, but physical, good size, can make plays with the ball. It's going to be similar to what I said, you know, on a show earlier today about this secondary matchup. I think the tight ends are also going to be really good, important, and, you know, it was good to see not only the offense feature them for the Cyclones, but Rocco to find them, go to them. It was kind of a funny moment at, at media just you know, basically talking about if, if it was like designed to be so important in the game plan. He said, no, not necessarily, but they were open. I got it to them. Uh, they were some of his first reads. I thought that was really good. You guys know on the show, 
I think the world of Ben Bramer, that is a surefire NFL player to me. I think there could be another one or two in that room. I tend to think of Gabe Burkle. I think Andrew Keller, once he really gets further into the mix receiving-wise, uh, is going to do some things. I think it's just a, a room that is coached, recruited, developed very, very well uh, for Iowa State. But one thing that's been interesting, Jake, is, as we get further into this and inch a little bit closer to projections and you know longer than me as you've been following this game much longer these matchups and specifically the last five or six of these have generally been very very close and a little bit of wacky or different type games i'll stop you at five because six matchups ago was when iowa won 42 to three okay uh that was a keep it to five that was a that was a rough rough game but the last five matchups have been decided by 5.6 points on average so there's there's a one point win a two point win and then i think a couple different 10 point wins by iowa in there so these games all come down to the margins they come down to turnovers and special teams pretty much no matter what if you're an iowa state fan going into this game expecting the offense to be super efficient pick up first downs, score four touchdowns, you are setting yourself up for failure. If you're an Iowa fan expecting for the same thing, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. What Iowa State fans should be looking for and hoping for is let's just hope there's no fumble in the red zone by your best player. Brees Hall, in my opinion, one of the one of the greatest football players in Iowa State history. No, no opinion even easily. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the greatest players ever. He got stripped by Jack Campbell inside his own five yard line in 2021. That completely changed the momentum of the game. You can't have your best players making mistakes like that, and you can't run into your punt returner um, at the end of the game and fumble to lose. That's that's what this game will come down to because I think on paper. So many of the strengths are equal for Iowa and Iowa State, especially on defense. For Iowa this year, you always expect their front seven to be good. I think their secondary is the main strength of that defense with DeGene, Xavier Nwampa, Sebastian Castro, uh, I'm blanking on the this the other safety's name. I believe Lee is starting this week. Uh, Schulte as well. Yeah, Quinn Schulte is who I was yep. thinking of. Yeah, so... It, you're not going to be able to really throw deep on Iowa. And that's not how Iowa State won last year. They won on that 99-yard drive by getting five yards a pop, five yards a pop, that was five a yards a pop. That was a special drive. That's, that's how you have to beat Iowa, and vice versa. That's how you have to beat Iowa State. It's patient offense, and it's not, it, it's not taking those risks on deep balls. So that's what it's going to come down to because, frankly, I know the Iowa State offensive line looked looked improved it's a whole nother beast when you're going up against iowa's defensive line and iowa's offensive line i thought didn't look very good and they're going to be challenged even more so against iowa state yeah so that was a game i didn't see as much uh as i would have liked with the iowa game i saw some of it but just based on you know reading material from some of my colleagues and people i really trust echoing what you said jake I don't think either offensive line looked maybe as as good as we potentially thought. Iowa State's did look better. 
I didn't think there was a ton of pressure. Again, I'll go back to JJ Cole. I think at times pressure uh, was able to like escape the offensive line a little bit at times when he was in, it seemed. I think that the run game average was maybe a little bit exaggerated off of a couple runs, but but there were ho- there were some holes there, and I think there's the potential to be better. But like you mentioned, that Iowa front is much different than you and I's. But then again, Iowa State's front, and specifically that front three, looked really, really good. Tyler Onyedem looked like one of the best players on the field in a game that really did feature some stars, specifically defensively for ISU. I think Dom Orange is going to be kind of that game wrecker uh, just in terms of filling that role for the Cyclones this year. And I think some of the linebackers, while young, will provide some of the physicality and speed to make things even tougher for Iowa's run game. Because again, I didn't see as much as I would have liked. I will make that qualifier. But based on what I did see, looking at the numbers and what others have said, I wasn't super impressed by that. I know that there's some excitement about that Iowa backfield. I think as there should be, but I completely agree with you, Jake. And as we get a little bit closer to our picks, I think you make a great point that like personnel wise, things are almost even and the strengths are so similar. Secondary, tight ends, I would probably lean Iowa State wideouts. I think maybe Iowa's running backs at times have shown some things, but I'm high on that room. We know that. Yeah. You know, linebackers tend to differ, some young guys on the Cyclones, but I think it's a really good comparison. I think there's a reason that the spread is fairly low for this game. And I think the only thing, as I've kind of consistently said this week, that would surprise me is if either team wins by two scores or more. Yeah, that. That would be surprising if I were to say one team will win by two scores. It would probably be Iowa if I had to guess, but I don't think that's going to happen. I just, I think it would be more likely to see Iowa come in and win 20 to seven opposed to Iowa State win 20 to seven. But is that personnel based or is that maybe, you know, having followed this game and the Cyclones for so long, maybe having seen some of those games? Whether people will admit it or not, I do know that there are nerves about this game, like from the fans on both sides. Yeah. You know, I don't see that maybe admitted as, as much by some fans, um, but I do think that's a legitimate thing from being around it for a couple years. Obviously, the message boards, all that. And I understand it, whether people want to downplay it or not. I think it's a fun game. It's a rivalry game. It's in state and not every state gets opportunities like this which is not to go on a tangent, but why I would be sad long-term, I think, if this game went away. Yeah, that's that's a conversation that, that I do not want the game to go away. I think anybody in the state that wants it to go away is crazy. But going back to why I think it would be more likely for Iowa to win, I think... By it, double digits, like, comparatively. Yeah. I And I, I'm going to say that's like a 5% chance, by the way. I, I don't think it's that likely, but... I've just seen it in the game too many times where freak bounce of the ball ends up Cooper DeGene pick six. I, I can just see that already. And, and DeGene almost had one of those against Utah state on Saturday, had a ball bounce right into his hands. He dropped it and you can't blame the guy. He had three pick sixes last year. So he's really, really special. Player. So I, I think when I, when I think that it's more just past history in this game between 
Campbell and Ferentz. It's that there's been a lot more freak accidents that have gone against Iowa State. And I don't want to... Accidents isn't fair to Phil Parker. Uh, The way Iowa plays defense, they create those accidents. Mm -hmm. They may look like accidents, but Phil Parker, the way that the way that they approach defense, they're practicing ball bouncing off guys' helmet, you diving on diving on it to pick it off. Like that they're doing that in practice. And I was there's a reason they're the best in the country at it. It's not luck when you create it every single year. But one way where the this game could change is with the quarterback position for Iowa specifically, and it's Cade McNamara. We talk about pretty close personnel-wise between the two teams. Mm -hmm. The only reason I agree with that right now is because McNamara is not 100%. If McNamara is 100%, I think they've got a pretty significant advantage at quarterback. But on Saturday, he didn't look 100. I would say he looked 65 70%. And the Iowa offensive line, honestly, for pass protection-wise, looked good. They looked they looked better than last year. It was really their their run blocking that looked bad. But I think if Iowa State could get to McNamara early, because what he was saying yesterday in his availability was that obviously going into the game you feel the best you do all week. Coming out you don't. And he said he didn't get hit that much, but he still obviously was. He was worn down a little bit by the end. I could tell just from the sidelines that some of his throws to the sidelines didn't have as much zip on the first first quarter did. So I think if... Could you imagine if the first play of the game, Dominique Orange did what he did to Theo Day to McNamara? Just, Jeez, that was a huge... Just hit. blow him up. And it wasn't anything illegal. It wasn't anything dirty. If McNamara takes four or five of those hits early on, that could really change not only how he's throwing, but how... Brian Ferentz calls the game. So I think that's really where the... I think that's where the swing can be in this game is, one, how healthy is McNamara? And two, how does McNamara handle not being healthy? Because he said yesterday his deep ball wasn't affected at all. It's more just the mobility. I mean, Ferentz said yesterday that QB sneaks are off the table. Yeah. And bootlegs are too. And I don't know how much I buy that. That's coach speak, but... But still, he he was not out scrambling around on Saturday. It, it was pretty much somebody come at you, get the ball away. I think there was some coach speak in there because that just felt a little bit too maybe obvious or outward uh, from Coach Ferentz. But I do think you're right. I mean, I'm I'm hoping for you know the the person's health sake that they're not trotting him out there at 65 percent that that could be a little bit uh you know scary health wise for the players but i understand you know some of it can be pain tolerance and obviously this is an exciting game that you want to be a part of i I think either way personnel wise i still think it would have been pretty close but your point makes a lot of sense obviously kate has done some some pretty notable things in his college career and there was a lot of talk and excitement about this edition. I'm really curious how it translates not only to another game, Jake, but against a really good defense, a good defense and a pretty deep one in Iowa State. I think they will make things difficult. And right before we get to our picks, because I want to share them, I don't think we can talk about this game without noting 
I'm sure you saw or maybe were there since you were at Iowa Media. Seth Anderson. Seth Anderson talking about making an interesting comment, I guess I would say. And I didn't see the whole quote. So maybe people have taken it out of context, but about the Iowa State secondary and what he saw, because I can totally understand players being confident. And it's not like somebody's going to say something like, we can't do anything, you know, against them, that type of thing. Obviously, you know, I played sports, you wouldn't say that. But I just think that was an interesting spot for for a player new to this game against the unit that is pretty likely Iowa State's best on the entire team. Yeah, it was my my friend Mitch Fick of CBS 2 out of Cedar Rapids asked, I believe, what he saw out of the Iowa State defense. Seth Anderson said a lot of opportunity. And then Mitch asked, good or bad? He said good and laughed. So I've, you're a receiver. You have to be confident. Same thing with defensive backs. Is that something he should have said publicly to the media? I guess time will tell. Let me just add, I don't think that's like good or bad. Again, I, I played sports. I think that type of stuff is fun. Like yes. obviously, yeah, that's that's really all I was saying because it's like, oh my goodness, our are Miles Purchase and TJ Tampa now going to try that much harder because of this? Of course not. They're they're given their all either way. I just thought it was maybe a bit intriguing. Interesting is probably the best way I would say. Just thought it was kind of funny. There's so much uh, seriousness with it, and and I'll just be interested to see. Believe he made a pretty good play uh, in Week One. What kind of happens, you know, this week in terms of him going against a really Really good secondary in week two. But before we get to a little bit more conference stuff, Jake, how do you see this game playing out? So I've been thinking a lot about it the last few days. And for Iowa State's sake, I feel better about it today, Wednesday, September 6th, than I did Saturday morning. But I still can't get away from Rocco's second career start being against this Iowa defense that is really, really, really good. And you have NFL talent scattered around the secondary. Mm -hmm. I just think there's going to be one mistake in there, which might be one too many. And I'm going to take the Hawkeyes 15 to 13. I know that's a really odd score. I'm going to go with a safety in there, maybe a missed extra point. The Hawkeyes will get to 15 some way. Iowa State will score maybe a touchdown and have a couple couple field goals. But I'll finish my prediction with talking about Rocco and where maybe this can go well. In 2021, Purdy is, of course, the best quarterback on the field, maybe the best player on the field. And Iowa State gave him that freedom to kind of just sling it. And that led him to throwing three interceptions, getting benched. Maybe without that confidence in Rocco, Iowa State isn't really testing the Iowa secondary. They're playing it safe, and they do what they did on that 99-yard drive last year, and they just maybe death by a million paper cuts Iowa. I think that's the path to Iowa State winning, is relying on that defense, playing the field position game, which Ference has beat Campbell in every time they've played, and just getting something out of the run game and the tight end game and getting just enough out of the quarterback spot. But I think it's a little more likely 
that there's a couple more mistakes that go Iowa's way and the, and the Hawkeyes win. Yeah. You know, my friend, it's, it's hard to argue against some of the logic within it, specifically, you know, close game, a lot of good defenders on Iowa. Absolutely. And, you know, if this game were played at the Hawkeyes, maybe I would think this is a little different. So I've got this game within really one to four points as well. I think I agree with the way that you beat Iowa. I'm not really sure who kind of takes over the Jirel Brock role that we saw last year because he was pretty special in that game. Obviously, Xavier Hutchinson was. So, like, you're going to need somebody to step up. I almost like it for Rocco that he is still so new to this. Uh, Like you said, I don't think he's maybe going to have as much freedom or, or maybe as much on his shoulders necessarily. I think this Iowa State defense is better than a lot of those that you have seen. It's at Jack Trice. And I just think it's going to be a really, really tight game. I think that the special teams for Iowa State have taken a jump. Iowa's known for some of the best in the country. There's a reason that it's, you know, favored so closely. Really the only spot I'm a little bit curious is some of the youth on both sides, but specifically for Iowa State. I think that could be tough. I could absolutely see Iowa getting up early, even taking a lead into the fourth quarter. But I just think there are some aspects to this staff, special teams like we talked about, a little bit of an improved offensive line, and frankly, some explosiveness that wasn't necessarily shown as much, Jake, or or opened up in week one, potentially to keep things a little more you know, secretive. We talked about gamesmanship. I think what I laid out gives a lot of credit to both teams, and I don't think a one or two point win is really definitive either way. I think Iowa State goes down late. I think they're like down late in the game, and the new kid, Chase Contreras, game-winning field goal, <laughs> 17 to 16 at Jack Trison Ames, back to back for the Cyclones and head coach Matt Campbell. Can you imagine? Could- I'm, I mean, I'm serious, yeah, too, no. because he just showed, like, he did. Yeah, you're it, right. was it a game winner? Of course not. I'm not saying he kicks a 60-yarder, but I think he's got the leg, the confidence, the poise, and, I mean, unless we're talking about, I don't even know, like, some of these offenses really all over the country, like, I trust this Iowa State defense to keep them in just about any game, specifically here at home. I think if they get behind a bunch early, that could be tough to come back from, especially with a young offense. But I see this game, a lot of it being played within three to six points. I'm going to go as far as to say, I think this game maybe snaps the craziness streak. I don't think there are going to be a lot of those types of plays. That's simply a guess. You can't really predict that type of thing. But, you know, the faster clock, I think these teams play conservatively. Could be one of those games that the last team that just simply gets a chance to score maybe does it. Uh, But I like Iowa State in a very, very close, hard-fought defensive battle, Jake. Well, there you have it. You were right last week. I was wrong. Or I I was half wrong. I thought Iowa State would win, but really going on a limb there saying Iowa State's going to beat an FCS team. But but you were right in the fashion that it was done. Where I was wrong, and maybe a lot of people were surprised, was how bad of a weekend the Big 12 had. 10-4. and Still getting used to having 14 teams right. play. But the losses were from TCU, Texas Tech, 
Baylor, all favorites. West Virginia was an underdog that lost. I'll give credit to Houston. They were the one underdog that won. But other than that, it was an ugly weekend, especially for those other Texas schools. It really was, Jake. You know, I'm not sure. I, I just wanted to mention real quick as we're coming off the Iowa State stuff. Brock Purdy named as a captain for the 49ers. Good for him. Pretty cool news that was just shared a few minutes ago. So just wanted to add that as we come off some Cyclones talk. But no, definitely, you know, Jake, credit to Houston, like you mentioned. West Virginia, not a major surprise. I know we don't want to do too much reflection, but I'll just say this about the TCU game. I'm almost surprised about kind of some of the negativity that is coming towards them because I said it on this show last week. Remember, I, I said that I was going to take Colorado on that game. Yep. You know, we, we disagreed on that. And I think people have just been a little bit not being you know dramatic or anything, but like disrespectful, not only, you know, of the potential of Coach Deion Sanders and his staff, but they have some very, very legitimate players. So people are saying, you know, it's said a lot about TCU. I think it says as much about Colorado, and I think that's an exciting thing for the Big 12 long term, which is why I brought that up. I think it's too early to say it's a down year, but but I will say a couple of those, specifically the Baylor game, very surprising to me, Jake. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say I'm never doubting Coach Prime again. I I made my mistake. I, I took, I took some of my medicine. I'll, I'll be good. Sorry, <laughs> coach prime. I'm, I don't want to become bulletin board material. They're good. Travis Hunter is the man. And I think for TCU, you of course expected the offense to take a step back, but I guess from what I read, I thought the defense might take a bit of a step up to level that out. And it doesn't look like they have so far, but you can only take so much from week one especially the wins. I think you can take a lot from week one losses, especially with Baylor and Baylor is a team that I picked to go to the big 12 championship game. <laughs> and they looked smaller than Texas state up front offense and defensive line and Blake Shapin. I don't know if you saw this stat. I think it was his QBR. He played a better game than CJ Stroud ever did at Ohio State, and they still lost to Texas State at home by 11. That that shows just how bad the Baylor defense appears to be and how he just was running around for his life back there. Now he's hurt, and he might miss three, four games. So I was really high on Baylor. I feel like a sucker now, <laughs> and I, I see a lot of the Baylor people that I follow on Twitter wondering if this is it for Aranda just as a a nice guy that that had one really good season. I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet. Yeah, I don't think I am, but I, I also saw a couple of those tweets. That's certainly a game that you can't really lose. Uh, you know, it kind of takes a lot of the excitement and some of the juice out of the, you know, beginning of the season and looking ahead. But looking ahead a little bit closer to this week, do you have a few more picks? I do. So I went... I went three and six. Oh, actually, before picks, I want to talk about West Virginia and not that they lost, but what happened after. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Neil Brown or Penn State had just an awesome backdoor cover 
if you bet Penn State. I didn't touch the game. I did not, but, but it was a tough cover. But it was. <laughs> it's what every. It's what everyone who bets your team wants. And, and Penn State kept kept their offense going on the last possession. Drove down, scored with like under twenty seconds to go. Which say what you want. Neil Brown, West Virginia head coach, was not thrilled with that one bit. Said in the press conference that Penn State was was running up the score. And here's how Penn State head coach James Franklin responded. I'll read a little bit of this quote. It's pretty long. I guess everybody looks at it differently, right? I believe that my responsibility in those types of situations is to get my twos in the game. But I think once those twos get in the game, then they deserve the right and the chance to play and compete. That's what I believe. I believe that from the opening kick to the last whistle, you compete and you play. Now, if you leave your one in, ones in, that's a different story. Then you should change how you play and take those knees and, and you run in the situation. So I'm on, I'm on team Franklin here. I think the winning team has the right to do whatever they want, especially if it's the backups in and you just got run off the field. That's, that's the end of the story, in my opinion. And it, it's a bad look for Brown. I think I lean that way as well, Jake. I don't feel <clears throat> super strongly about this either way, but I think that logic and the way Coach Franklin really explained it makes a ton of sense to me. I think it's a great opportunity for some of the players that don't always get those chances, certainly. And, you know, it's not like there's a rule that says when they're trying to score that you're not able to stop them. Exactly. So I, I do think, you know, that I would lean uh, that way as well with Coach Franklin and Penn State. And their offense, their starting offense, looked pretty good as well. Neil, put yourself in the position of an 18-year-old running back that's playing in his first ever whiteout game. What 18-year-old kid's not going to want to score in there in that position? That That's my thoughts on that. We'll get into our picks courtesy of Circus Sports Iowa, the exclusive sports betting app of Iowa Everywhere. You can... Get the highest limits, lowest holds, and the best odds all on Circus Sports Iowa. That's that's how I did my plays this last weekend. Didn't do great in the in the Big Twelve on Saturday. My my Thursday, Friday, Sunday were all good days, but but I struggled on on Saturday, the main course. I mentioned I went three and six, and this week we're gonna get back on track with three picks each. And I'm going to go with Utah at Baylor. We just talked about them. The Utes are favored by seven and a half. I was on the Utes in either week zero or whenever they played Florida. I I took them and they they covered for me. They're going into a, a Baylor team that just had their heart ripped out and may not be able to recover from that, losing your quarterback. I trust Messingham on the road at Baylor SMU at Oklahoma. This is from the sheer fact that I was so off on Oklahoma last mm. week and say what you want about the Sooners. They really, really take care of business against those group of five teams. I don't think SMU will have enough horsepower or pony power to go into Norman. Give me the Sooners by 15 and a half. And then finally Texas on the road at Alabama. I've been saying this all month long on the podcast. I trust Texas in this game more than I trust the Longhorns against Houston or Iowa State. 
They would have beat Alabama last year, in my opinion, if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt. I think Texas is going to go into Tuscaloosa, give Bama a game. I'm not going to lay the money line, although it's tempting. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to take the touchdown and take Texas plus seven. Follow along with me throughout the weekend on Jake Brent TV, and we'll see how I do. We'll, we'll track this throughout the year. Nick, how about you? I'm excited for that game. We'll, we'll just kind of naturally slide into this one. You know, I think Alabama wins. I, I think very highly of that team. I think they could potentially get to the title game down the line. But I think you're right. Texas just seems to get up for these types of games. They probably would have won that last season. I remember that was the week of one of my first games uh, covering the Cyclones. Definitely, it might have even been Cyhawk. But I'm going to ride with the Longhorns there. I do think Bama wins. But Texas, I could see them making a three or four point game. We'll go Kansas. Minus three, Illinois, Kansas at home. Friday night game. Believe Jalen Daniels expected to play. Things yep. have at least been trending in that direction. And though I didn't get to see as much of it as I would have liked, was not super impressed by Illinois week one. They lost several really, really good players to the NFL draft. Then this, I just think, is going to be a fun, entertaining game. Oregon, Texas Tech, bounce back spot for the Red Raiders a little bit. I got them covering that six and a half, seven points. I think there's a lot of talent offensively there. I think that's going to be a really, really fun atmosphere. And we will see kind of the battle of two very encouraging offenses in that game with a big 12 team and I guess a future big 10 team there as well, my friend. So you're you're taking Oregon's mascot to not have to do 546 pushups. Did you see that? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> if if he goes into Lubbock and has to do that many push-ups, that's a really, really bad sign for the Red Raiders. I, I don't mind that plus six and a half pick. I think that line dipped down a little bit as an overreaction to a really that that's a tough place to play to go to Wyoming. First game of the year. Laramie it was rocking. But yeah, I, I don't mind that pick there. It's it's gonna be a it's a really good big twelve slate, yeah, all things considered I think between nationally even. But yeah. yeah. One game that I didn't touch that I'm going to be really, really tuned in on is that Central Florida Boise State game. <laughs> That's a tough place to play. And Central Florida looked really, really good in their first game. They did. What time do they play? Let me let me pull that up. Eh? I should have had that ready. Hopefully it's not an 11 a.m. kick. It is at it's a night game. 6 p.m. FS1. And there's some fun night games. Seriously. Texas Bama as well. Wisconsin's traveling out to Washington State after their quarterback looked really good. Fun, fun weekend to college football here. Oklahoma yeah. State goes on the road to Arizona State for some Big yep. 12 after dark. That's that game I'm not touching. I have no read on that. Oklahoma State's favored by three and a half points. I they didn't look very good at all week one, but I know Arizona State's one of the worst power five teams in the country. But even if we're not wagering. It's going to be a fun game to tune into. But for now, Nick, do you have anything else? Any any Cyhawk talk? Aiden, did you disagree with anything that that we had to say about the game uh, from the Channel Seed Studios? I think we're gonna we're gonna end this show, and you'll hear from us this time next week, live at two thirty for the last time in the in the in person Channel Seed Studios. But Nick, I'll see you on. 
on Saturday, bright and early in Ames. Be sure if, uh, if you're listening now, tune into Cyhawk Game Day on Local 5 ABC at 1030. I mean, Raina Garcia will break down everything you need to know about the game. I can't wait. It, it's it's going to be a fun I'm looking day. forward to Saturday. I, I think emotionally it's going to take a toll on me. Obviously, my last uh, game here in person. But, you know, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a good football game. Highly competitive defensive battle, like I mentioned. And if any of our great listeners or viewers, you know, run into me on the way in, please say hello. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you all next week. We'll see you then. Iowa everywhere. Thank you.